And it doesn't have to stop with training camps. You know, you could look at and see some guys who've had to redefine their careers but are still relevant in the space like the Buttery Bros or Talking Elite Fitness or Sevan. And you could reach out to them. But what that requires is setting aside past differences, checking the ego at the door, which is a common saying in CrossFit. But we need that from the top. And to say, you know what? Maybe we haven't had the best relationship with whoever it is in the past, but they're still pushing forward the message. They're still out there and, they ha- and there are people that listen to them. We have this video series, The Magic of CrossFit. And we know if we put it out on our channels that X number of people will listen to it. But if we also incorporate these, these people that have the same core beliefs as us and want the same things, that that X number will be you know, multiplied to a degree that we can't, maybe can't even measure. Welcome to Conversations with Claire. I'm your host, Claire Bates. I'm a movement, nutrition, and mindset coach through my app, Wellness with Claire. Podcast host, coach at The Collective in Austin, Texas, sober alcoholic, brand builder, and competitive hybrid athlete. I've created this podcast to share inspiring stories and have meaningful conversations in hopes that we can create community together to learn and grow. Oh, and I hope to make you laugh. (laughs) Welcome to Conversations with Claire. Let's talk about coaching and how to get from where you are now to where you want to be. Wellness with Claire is my very own coaching platform where I offer personalized meal plans, personalized workout plans based on your goals, accountability through community and weekly group coaching calls, mindset coaching and tracking features for results. I also offer one-on-one coaching, which gives you full app access, direct access to me via WhatsApp and 100% accountability with me, including weekly video calls. Wellness is a mental, physical and spiritual experience. The system works together as a whole, and I'm here to help you live in alignment with your principles and values and actualize a quality of life beyond your current dreams. Check the show notes or the links in bios on socials to find more information about how to get involved with Wellness with Claire today. Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Claire. Today, my guest is Brian Friend. Brian is a coach at Performance Factory Training in Illinois. He is also the lead CrossFit content specialist at the Savon Podcast. I have been aware of Brian's existence for many, many years now because I have followed the sport of CrossFit from afar for quite a few years. And the way I like to refer to Brian, which this is his first time hearing this, so hope you don't hate it, but is like the nerd with the numbers because <laughs> he's our analyst. <laughs> well, that's appropriate. I mean, uh, not everyone has maybe known this or listened to it, but I used to do a segment with Tommy and Sean on Talking Elite Fitness called The Numbers Game with Brian Friend. So that's a, an appropriate title and I will accept it. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, I want to say they may have been my intro to you. I don't know exactly where, like I became aware of you, but it's been some years now. And I I think it was actually through Talking Elite Fitness, just hearing you come on their show and talk about what you anticipated occurring at these events and stuff. And it was always fascinating because our sport is so new still, 
if you think about a lifespan of sport and being an analyst within the, like it was you created the role that you're in now it wasn't one where ESPN hired you to do the job you know yeah it's very organic I would you know I kind of think that there were some people doing this beforehand but there wasn't necessarily an outlet for it because all the media came through CrossFit for the first you know 10 plus years of the sport existing Mm -hmm. And there was just a very limited number of opportunities there. Tommy Marquez was basically the guy. And yeah. I watched all his stuff. And then I got an opportunity to meet him and do actually my first ever podcast with him in California at the old HQ offices in 2018. And I didn't screw it up. <laughs> so I've had some opportunities since then that I'm uh, very grateful for and have met some people that have, yeah, allowed me the opportunity to kind of, like you said, you know, create a new role or opportunity, not just for myself, but many others now as well. Which shout out Tommy, just the sweetest dude. Love him. So I also like to start out with how we met. And I'm not <laughs> going to, <laughs> this is like a theme through episode. So Ryan, get ready. So I may not have it exactly precise. So we may feel free to correct me, but our meeting one another, hilarious gold. I could not love it more because it was so just authentic. <laughs> so we met at the Rogue Invitational last year, 2022, October. We're recording this in January, 2023. So you're walking around, you are on the podcast, like you got your, your head pod or your AirPods in, whatever. You are on Savon's podcast, right? Doing some like live reporting, but you're on mute, you're moving around, you're in the in the diamond. And I'm standing with a couple of people who you know, and a couple of people you don't. And so you just like walk past, say hello, there's a quick greeting that occurs, we meet one another for the first time. <laughs> and then I believe Eric pipes up, which yet again, I don't think you knew Eric either. Did you? Nope. Yep. And I think he said, Yeah, you should work with her with me. You have no idea who I am. And I'm pretty sure that the words out of your mouth were like, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it was, uh, it was like totally unplanned, authentic, uh, and unscripted. And, you know, yeah, I was on the podcast, but it was, it was kind of a strange podcasting week because I was just amongst other people. And there was actually a lot of people that week that would just kind of come up to me and be like, hey, Brian what's going on? Can I take a picture? I love your work. And so sometimes yeah. I was like not even necessarily paying attention to what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to be kind to the people on site there. And it ended up being a, a group of you that were standing there. Yeah, he said that. And it just like, I was like, wow. I mean, yeah, maybe I could work with her. I don't know. But like, not knowing anything about her, I was just totally caught off guard. No, it, it was. <laughs> it was so funny because it was blatantly obvious. And don't get like professionally, very new here. So that really checks. I was not surprised by it. If anything, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's got to be like, what the hell? And it was just funny. And I was so appreciated that you were, I mean, you were doing your job. There was a, like, I'm sure you had a lot going on that weekend as you do when events occur. And so <laughs> I just thought the, the whole thing was funny. And so then whenever you followed up after Miami and it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like now you're like, oh, wait a second. You actually, you actually work within the space. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm new here. So anyway. I think our story of meeting is quite funny. And just because I've been aware of you for a heck of a lot longer, but you, you definitely were like, yeah, what? 
So yeah, and you know, sometimes it's uh, like something happens in your life, and you're just like, oh, that was kind of a random thing. But then when it it happens again, and I was like, so I saw you in Miami, and I was like, huh. And obviously, there's so many people in at Wadapalooza that you can't you can't see everyone. But I was like, I remember meeting her, and she, someone, whether it was her or someone else, had had some interest in maybe working together. Maybe I'll just reach out to her and see what she was doing in Miami. And here we are. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for reaching out. And I'm excited to have the connection. I, I think it's cool how, yeah, you just keep showing up. You know, I feel like that just speaks to the like, you just keep showing up in the spaces that you feel called to be in and do the work. And then eventually you get the opportunity to have conversations with people that you've been listening to for many years. So anyway, with that, with this whole what I what I did touch on of like, you created this role. I kind of want you to dive a little bit more into because because of all of that, like, why CrossFit? I, I think let's start there is like, why this thing? Because it couldn't have been for money. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes in the moments, like in the years, actually building up to this, I would definitely wouldn't have had a good answer to that. I was just kind of doing what I wanted to do and what I liked doing. When I first started doing CrossFit myself in a gym, it was basically a distraction from things in my life that I was unhappy with and that were you know, making me sad, basically. And this ended up being a nice outlet for that. I was getting back together with some friends. I was creating some new friends. I was challenging myself physically and uh, as well as many, I'm sure that uh, the physical challenges can sometimes help deal with you know, emotional or mental stresses in, in life outside of the gym. And that was, that was happening for me. So I wanted to continue doing it. And a few months after I started doing it, my friend said, hey, there's a, actually a sport also. And there's a competition nearby. There's a regional in Chicago at Navy Pier. And so we went to that. And I thought it was pretty cool. And so I started doing a little research on, well, what is this sport? Where did it come from? And, uh, you know, for the next several years, I just... It just became a passion of mine, but more like a hobby. I never thought that I would do anything professionally with it. I just wanted to, you know, learn the history of the CrossFit Games so that I could appreciate the next CrossFit Games, which was mm -hmm. the 2014 CrossFit Games. And even when I think back over the entire span of the sport, I, I think that was actually a pretty cool year to have be my first year because it was Rich's last year. Uh -huh. and it was Matt's first year. So on the men's side, there was this like uh, changing of the guard that was happening just when I was getting into the sport. So I learned all of Rich's history, of course. And then I saw Matt create a, a way for himself and that transition into what we have now on the men's side, which is pretty exciting and competitive uh, field. And on the women's side of things, you know, Camille was obviously an iconic figure at that time. But uh, when I, when now, when I look at the, the entire scope of it, I realize that that 2014 year was a little bit of a, of an anomaly where most of the athletes who did well that year never did well again at the CrossFit Games. And yeah. then in 2015, we had this, this incoming group of women, primarily Katrin, Tia, and Sarah Sigmund's daughter, that kind of, they paved the new era of CrossFit on the female side. So I just happened to get into it at a kind of critical moment for the men and a, what I look like a new kind of a era for the women. Mm -hmm. And I just liked it. So I just kept doing it. And I, but I never had any intention of doing it. Um, yeah. Like you said, to make any money. Yeah. Well, and at that time you were still working in some altogether different field, right? Yeah. I was 
I was teaching and coaching in, uh, well, I had had a little bit of a transition personally at the time, but mm -hmm. short, shortly after the 2014 CrossFit Games, I moved to Texas and I, uh, for a second time, and I started teaching and coaching at a high school there, which I did for three years. Okay. So coaching has always been a part of your shtick then? Yeah, it was, um, I guess probably since even college soccer, I was on the soccer team, but, uh, I think I, in the off season, I really took on the role of the coach. You know, the, there's limitations on what collegiate coaches can do in the off season with their athletes, but having, I was a captain of the team. And then I kind of, I had an injury that prevented me from really being able to train with the guys between my junior and senior year. So I kind of stepped into more of a coaching them at the training sessions, organizing, getting them there and then giving them stuff to work on that would, you know, obviously hopefully make our team better. I feel like that was the beginning of maybe my coaching experience. and then. Um, the next real, real one was, uh, in the high school level coaching, you know, the varsity soccer teams and some kickers on the football team. Okay. So, and you still coach to this day, like you still actively coach at a facility. Yeah. It's actually my, my full-time job is, um, to coach at CrossFit PFD, like you said. Oh my gosh. Are you like John Woolley? Do you have four full-time jobs? I would say I have three three full-time jobs. Um, and then, but you know, I don't know what qualifies as a three full-time job, but I have like three main jobs that, and yeah. they take up a lot of time and do provide a decent amount of income each. And then there are other things that I do peripherally that are less time intensive and, uh, not just by no means am I dependent on those for finance. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the, so let me get this correct. You started paying attention in 14 mm -hmm. and then when did you start to actually like create analytical content anything i mean when did you start to contribute to this space more than just like showing up as a spectator and which mind you that's i love that trajectory because i think that speaks to a lot of people who only come into an affiliate as a member with whatever their background was, whether they were an athlete like you or were never an athlete like me, like you can come in from any different direction, but you just start out as a member. And then over time, it kind of grabs a hold of you. And then eventually you go from starting to sip the Kool-Aid to like fully chugging the Kool-Aid to like bathing in the Kool-Aid, which is what you do now. <laughs> and so <laughs> with that, like, when did you start to contribute to the space and more than like just being a member who was fired up about this thing that seemed to like benefit you and your quality of life increased as a result? Well, I would say the answer to that is 2018, but okay. in order to be able to do that, I had put, you know, three or four years of a, a decent amount of work and effort into like building up a knowledge base that would allow me to do something like that. If the opportunity ever came, which it did come in 2018 from that first year, like after regionals of 2014, I immediately took an interest in the sport and made a, a fantasy game for my friends to play at the 2014 CrossFit Games. We did a draft, we scored it. And then, you know, of course, being a just competitive by nature, I wanted to win. So I, I learned about the athletes that I could try to have the best draft possible. And we kept doing that for several years. And as I, um, you know, started building that out for them, I just started having a more robust knowledge of the history of the CrossFit Games, and then obviously the current competitors. But at the same time, I, um, I realized maybe 2015, 16, 
I think this happens to many people as well, that although I was doing CrossFit, I had kind of uh, skipped the train, the, the fundamentals course. <laughs> so I wasn't maybe moving great. I had yeah. tried to be, I was like more focused on trying to catch up to other people instead of laying a good base with weightlifting mm -hmm. and foundational gymnastics movements. I had a massive aerobic base from soccer and swimming my whole life. So I was like elite in that regard. Relative yeah, you leaned to my on peers. that. Yeah. But in these other things I'd never done before and I wanted to keep up. So I decided to take my level one eventually and to watch a lot more and read a lot more about the methodology than the sport in maybe 2015, 16. I got my level one in 2017. And then I started coaching at an affiliate part-time, shadowing classes first and then coaching at an affiliate that a friend of mine owned. Um, in 2017-18, which just also just happened to parlay into the same time period where Sevan gave me an opportunity to contribute to his podcast at CrossFit, invited me out there. I did that first episode with Tommy Marquez, and then everything took off from there. So when Savan invites you out, which I certainly have some stuff to ask about that, but uh, when he invites you out, what had you done to be the person that was in the conversation to come out? Nothing. <laughs> I, How did he I, know to call you? I took a chance. I sent him a DM on Instagram because I had thought that, uh, that actually the thing that motivated me the most was when I went to that regional in 2014 and I saw someone win an event and I heard the announcer on the floor say, and the winner of the event is in lane number six. And I thought to myself, well, why don't they know the name of the person in lane number six? Like they didn't announce the person who'd won the event. And I just assumed at that time, I know now how difficult it is to win even one event at a semifinal or a regional level, regardless of what age division you're in, if it's a team competition or individual, these people are committing a lot of, of effort, energy, time, and resources to just to being there, let alone to win. And I thought it was frankly, inappropriate that they weren't getting at least their name called out when they happened to win their heat for that event. Mm -hmm. And so for four years, I was always kind of building upon that thought of I would, you know, I think it would be cool if this sport could get to a place where more athletes could get more recognition for, for their accomplishments, because it's very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. And he created, a, he was doing the CrossFit podcast at the time. And he, you know, it wasn't necessarily games focused by any means, you know, there were some episodes with CrossFit Games athletes, coaches, personalities, but there were a lot of others with, um, you know, co with uh, affiliate owners and sometimes with doctors or researchers or specialists in different areas. Uh, and I was watching and consuming these almost every night. And then he put this thing out called Trolling the Leaderboard 2018 CrossFit Open. And, and he had an, like an hour and a half episode, like most of his are, where he w was supposed to be diving into the leaderboard and telling the stories that weren't so obvious. But as is often the case with Sevan, he got distracted <laughs> and didn't really cover that many things that I thought were interesting relative to the title, which is supposed to be about the leaderboard. Okay. And so I just wrote him a DM and I said exactly what I said to you. Hey, that's a cool idea, but I think you got way off track and you missed some pretty cool stories that you could have told in week one. And I sent him like three of maybe 20 ideas that I had. Yeah. And his response was, damn, impressive. Send me more next week. So I, you know, 2022 or 18.2 wraps up and I look, wait for the leaderboard to finalize and I start scouring it and I come up with a list of notes. And this time I didn't stop at three, but I sent him all of my notes, printed off the notes, 
takes out some papers on the podcast and he goes, all right, guys, today we're going to use uh, uh, Brian Friend's notes. Some guy from Instagram who messaged me and uh, let's see how, you know, if we can find anything interesting in here. And the whole episode was just him looking at my notes, asking the people on the podcast a question, and they talked about those topics. So you took, <laughs> this is so cool. I mean, this is just such an organic like thing that can be, you know, so you existed within an ecosystem in some capacity, whatever, that you simply like, this was, this just, you didn't have the intention of doing what you do now. It was, you saw a hole in the system that you were passionate about. Like you enjoy looking into this stuff in depth. And so you were already organically doing that and simply chose to be a resource to someone who had a platform to do that thing. Exactly right. And I never, and I never expected him to even respond initially. Yeah. But when he asked for more, I was like, I took it very seriously. I mean, I remember where I was staying at the time and staying up late, writing those notes and sending them to him at 2 a.m. so that he could have them for his show that was going to be the next day in California. And he used the notes. I did it again. And then after the third week, he said, would you like to come out here? Took HQ, which was like, that's like, totally unexpected invitation that I, obviously yeah. I was going to say yes to. Yeah. And so I, I hopped on a plane and I flew out to CrossFit HQ for, to do this thing, trolling the leaderboard on the CrossFit podcast for the final open workout. There were five open workouts then. So it was week five and I get there and he's not even there. Savan, the guy who invited because his boss, Greg Glassman had called him to do something. So now I walk, I'm like in the parking lot of CrossFit HQ and I don't even know what I'm going to do because the guy who invited me is not there. And Tommy Marquez walks out and he's like, Brian Friend. And I'm like, Tommy Marquez. Like, I'm like nervous. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's not the, you know, he goes, come on, I'll give you a tour. So he gave me a tour. And then in the middle of the tour, he goes, yeah, by the way, I'm going to do the podcast with you because Savan's not here. And now I'm like nervous. I'm like, I'm going to do the podcast with Tommy Marquez. Like, he's the guy. Right. He's the only guy that talks about the athletes. And now I'm expected to do this with him. Yeah. So I was, you know, now it was like uh, doubting myself. Like, will I be mm -hmm. able to do this? And if, if <clears throat> I know there are people even now that sometimes reach out to me and, and said that they watched those first episodes that I ever did. And the first 10 minutes, I was so nervous. And I just felt like I wasn't, like I didn't belong there and I was inadequate and I didn't know if I was good enough. But about 10 minutes, I've watched it a couple of times over the years, like about 10 minutes into it, I can see that I, and I remember feeling a little bit more comfortable and then just trusting that I, you know, because basically for four years in a row, every night I'd spend one to two hours reading or watching, um, you know, CrossFit Games content and CrossFit methodology content, going back to mm -hmm. the early journal articles and, and early videos, um, you know, from the original CrossFit gym in Santa Cruz. So I had a lot of uh, ability to retain that information and communicate effectively in that podcast. And I guess it went well enough that they invited me back for regional. That's such a cool story. And I, I, I love that you were nervous. I love that you had spent years doing all of this homework that you had, you, you had the head knowledge and like logically you knew that you had it yet in the moment being thrust into suddenly I'm speaking publicly with this guy that's a that's a guy you know like that there was this imposter syndrome that came up for you of like wait a second i'm in over my head and then as soon as you get in you're like oh wait actually that's my peer 
And and it took me a long time to accept that, that, that the way that you described it. I just felt like I didn't screw it up. Like I was good enough, but I'd never, I didn't feel for years as if I was, you know, on par with someone like that. I love it. I love it so much. This is so cool. Okay. So then I'm going to ask you, I've got a, a handful of thoughts, but I'm going to ask you since we're on the Savant, even though that was going to come up later, we're here now. So we're just going to do it. So you've actually had interactions with Savant for a long time now, but the Savant podcast, of course, because for, you know, for context, of course, he worked at HQ and then that fell apart as did everything at HQ. And, uh, and so then he had to carve his own path as well. And that took some time. And now he does. So the way that I like to refer, which I've never met Savon, Savon, I would love to meet you someday that like, he's like the OG villain is <laughs> how I feel because now we have like the modern day Hiller of, of the, and by the way, also love Hiller, but like he's the modern day on the YouTube grinding out, being the villain and creating content, questioning everything, you know, but I feel like Savon is like the OG villain of CrossFit. <laughs> It's fair to say. I mean, I, some people feel that Dave Castro was always the villain from the athlete okay. perspective, but uh -huh. Savan in a different regard, you know, he was, he had access to areas that other people didn't. And he mm -hmm. had an, you know, an uncanny and still has an uncanny ability to ask hard questions in non-threatening yeah. ways. And I think yeah. that's why he's been successful in his career is because he does that as good as anyone I've ever met. Okay. So my question was going to be, what are some of the the more memorable things or just the things that come up for you when it comes to working with Savant? Like, is, is that because you do still to this day, you know, I mean, you could have pivoted away and gone and done your own thing altogether, or, you know, you've chosen to, to retain that tether for a reason. You enjoy working with him because of that. And if so, what are, what are some of your favorite things about, about his approach? I think you'll resonate with this because, you know, we've, we've already spoken about it, but it's his, he has a very unique ability to be very prepared for interviews that he does, but also to not feel the need to follow a script. So early on when I, when I was doing these things with him at regionals in 2018, I mean, it was the definition of trial by fire. There was no agenda as far as I knew. Now I know that he prepares a great deal for all of the things that he does. But back then I had no idea and everything was fair game. So at every, at any moment with any guest and in any situation, I just had to be ready for him to ask me basically anything. And it would be, you know, details like, Hey, Brian, remember like just randomly in the middle of whatever he was saying, Brian, remember two days ago at dinner, you said that thing, what was that thing you said? And you just it would expect me to know. And somehow I knew. And so <laughs> he's not the easiest person necessarily to like coexist with, especially in a live setting, which those podcasts at regionals that year were live on YouTube mm. and all, almost all of the stuff that we've done since he recreated the Savon podcast, especially the last 18 months, it's all live stuff. You can't just like screw it up. You can't not have something to say. You need to be prepared. And because of, you know, the nature of, of how he does that, I have it's made me want to always come to those things ready to go and to be prepared and to not let him down in that regard. And I think I've done a decent job of that. That's maybe why he keeps me around. Yeah. Would you say he's like a mentor for you? Uh, no, I won't give him that much credit. Or like the big brother, <laughs> the big, the big brother that's bullying you. 
Well, yeah, we, I mean, I think that the the back and forth that he and I have, you know, our personalities are very different. And many people often tell me that we balance each other out. And so mm -hmm. I, I think that was just, you know, sometimes you meet someone and you can't even explain like why it works. It just works. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we have that relationship. And I mean, there are, you know, as it was almost surprised anyone who knows Savan or has ever listened to his stuff or even heard about it. There is some stuff that, that he talks about that's quite controversial and definitely mm -hmm. is offensive even to some people. But I just try not to get too wrapped up in that. I feel like the good things that come out of he and I interacting with each other are so good that, you know, I'm, I'm okay with the fact that some of the stuff that he personally believes and has the confidence to talk about publicly isn't, isn't for everyone. That mm -hmm. doesn't deter me from wanting to, you know, continue to do what we've been able to do when it comes to CrossFit specifically, because I think that it has been a major contributor towards that original motivation that I talked with, you know, told you about, which was to increase the, the notoriety of the athletes in the sport and get more people. And that, you know, that's expanded beyond athletes at this point to coaches and, and content creators and event organizers who I think are oftentimes putting in so much work and, and not necessarily getting the credit that they're due. So I've, I've always felt that despite some of the things that turn people off to him, that what we are doing together is overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, I enjoy it. I love that he's still around. Like, I'm so glad he didn't go away because I feel like there for a minute, he, you know, maybe did a little bit, but I'm so, I love having him around. <laughs> well, you know, it was 15 years that he'd invested into, into CrossFit HQ, into building that media team. And, yeah. and he all, you know, he did as the years went on delegate more and more. And there were certainly other people that it wouldn't have become what it was without, but he was kind of overseeing a lot of that for a long time. And to have yeah. it pulled away from him relatively suddenly, as, as, as you said, happened to many people, it's perfectly understandable that he would recede into his himself for a, a year or two as he did and try to process that. Absolutely. It was actually, and, and it was, I don't think he would have come back out from that publicly in the way that he has, if not for Matt Souza. And, and Matt reached out to him and said, hey, man, your work changed my life and changed my business and changed my family's life. And you have a gift and you have something to offer and I want to support you. And when Matt reached out to Sevan and, and said that, you know, Sevan had some, had some hesitation. He wasn't sure. He wasn't yeah. sure if it was the right thing to do. He wasn't sure if he wanted to do it again. But he, he's, you know, I'm still somewhat surprised by this and honored. But, you know, he called me and he said, uh, I'm thinking about doing this. This guy has told me that he'll support me in the ways that I need to do it again, but I want you to be a part of it. And what we talked about that day is nowhere near what he's doing now, but it was the, you know, the springboard towards what, what the Seven podcast has become. And like I said, I feel very privileged that he called me and said, I want you to, you know, be a part of this as I start to do it again. I all of a sudden am feeling uh, Batman robbery. <laughs> I hadn't until this very moment. Now I do. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess if you want to extrapolate, then uh, Sousa can be like the Alfred. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. That's, I, that's actually a story I didn't know. So that's a little tidbit. So I do want to ask, I love the reflection and looking back because like you said, you know, he did spend 15 years in that thing. And so to acknowledge that and acknowledge the history that is there and all of the hard work that he did do there and the reality that so many of these people, including him underwent these struggles of there's this thing we love, but it's just crumbling. And what do we do? You know, um, but I want to look forward. And so with 
what you have created for the community, for yourself, for the athletes, what you're doing today to contribute to this space, which is meaningful and it's time consuming and it's, it's, there's a lot of energy you're putting in. Where do you want that to go? If, if, I mean, like with not just where you are right now, but ideally I would imagine this continues to grow in success, both intrinsically and monetarily, hopefully. I mean, I hope that's an aspiration you have for yourself. So where do you, where do you see it headed? Personally, I'm less confident answering that than in a more macro sense. Okay. I really love coaching at the affiliate and yeah. uh, I actually don't really like Illinois in general. I don't love the weather. I don't love necessarily the politics or the state income taxes, but the community that I have here and the support I have from the guys who own the gym to allow me the freedom and flexibility to do this other stuff is I feel I've lived in a lot of different places. I know there's good people everywhere. I know there's good and supportive communities everywhere. But to mm -hmm. me, this feels special, the people here, the community here. And I don't necessarily want to give that up. But even right now, it's becoming like a real concern of mine, the amount of opportunities that I have to travel and the amount of opportunities I have to do a variety of different things that take away from that, mm -hmm. that I am having to answer that question for myself. So I probably won't say anything more about that personally for now on the more macro level of CrossFit, both as a methodology or a training program, and then also as a sport, I think that the, the leaders of those spaces need to make an effort to come together to find something that is consistent and easy for people who aren't familiar with it to understand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on the sports side, that means the, the season can't be changing every year. There needs to be some more predictability and that makes it easier, you know, a lot of the last four years, what I've been spending time doing is trying to explain to people what's going right. on. Right. I don't want to have trying to, to wrap keep your own brain that. around it and then articulate it. Yeah. And I don't want to have to keep doing that for four more years. I want it to be very well understood. And look, if is there a perfect system? I don't know. But I'd rather go with one that's consistent for five to 10 years with minor changes so that anyone who's coming in can can say, okay, from 2021 through 2000. 28, when I first found out about CrossFit, I can look back and say, yeah, there was an open and a quarterfinals and a semifinals and a games. And the athletes had to go through this process to get there. There were these major off-season events. These were some of the major uh, influencers, whether it's athletes, coaches, sponsors, competitions in the space during that time. And that this, the storytelling becomes easier. I mean, you, if you just think about other sports that are similar, meaning individual sports that have a long season, that's maybe six to nine month long season. You like if I tell you, um, Hey, do you remember the masters in 2012? Like you, you immediately, you might not remember what happened that year, but you know what the masters is. That's a golf tournament that happens every year. And, and people at least have some familiarity of it. But I'd like to be able to do that with the Rogue Invitational 10 years from now, so that even if you're not intimately involved with CrossFit, that you know what what Rogue is or what Wadapalooza is or what the semifinals are. You know, I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that like some of these semifinals, and particularly this season, they're going to be some of the best competitions that we have. You have the games, and maybe you have Rogue, but outside of that, the North American European semifinals will probably be the best competitions of the season in terms of density of greatness when it comes to athletes on the field of play, but the prize purse doesn't reflect that. And so there's, you know, and then the, the media surrounding it is a little bit 
confusing because CrossFit used to control that exclusively. Then it was completely out of the picture. And now they've taken back some control. So there's like a gray area of what stories will CrossFit be telling about the semifinals? What stories will outside media have an opportunity to tell? And are they congruent? Are we conveying a similar message that's not confusing for someone who's just starting to interact with it? There's so much within that. <laughs> There's so much within that. My brain just went so many different ways. I, I think having moved to Austin last, the end of last June and being here, I'm now in the fitness community here, which is much more broad than CrossFit. Whereas for many years, I was only within the, the town I lived in in Oklahoma and CrossFit was like what we did. Right. And so everybody knew about all of the events. Everyone was in the, 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 the ecosystem I was a part of. Everybody was very aware of each one of these individual events. And, and anyway, so then it's been even just like Wadapalooza that we just had a couple of weeks ago. I'm amazed at how many people are within the fitness community that are blissfully unaware of the, what Wadapalooza even is, you know? And here it is being this like epically cool event of fitness and it's still widely unknown. And so I think that speaks to the capacity for growth that does exist, but it's exactly what you're saying too, is like in order for it to grow, the stewards need to come together and need to be supportive of one another and be collaborative and understand that that is actually beneficial to the sport. And certainly, like you said, those prize purses and things like that, like it's all just, you know, I, I just, I have so much love for what all these athletes choose to show up and do. And I want them to get that love back and to be supported back. And there's, you know, there's, I guess you could say a debate or sometimes people contend whether or not the sport is good for the affiliates, you know, for the methodology, for the thing that CrossFit was before it was a sport. And there's a large group of people that will say, I started CrossFit or was introduced to CrossFit or came across it because of Rich Froning, because of Annie Thor's daughter, Catherine Davis' daughter, Tia Claire Toomey, something that I saw at the CrossFit Games. <clears throat> Some of these events, Wadapalooza, like you mentioned, this is the 11th year of Wadapalooza. The reason no one knows about it is because for many years, if you wanted to watch it uh, and you weren't in Miami, it was behind a paywall with a, comp in a company that was covering it back then. Now the broadcast is available on YouTube, so more people can interact with it. And I haven't checked since getting back, but I know that on like Sunday of Wadapalooza, the broadcast on YouTube from Thursday had 500,000 views just in three or, three or four days. That's quite a few. And if you think about that for the first eight or nine years of that, you couldn't watch it at all unless you paid for it. And even in the beginning, you couldn't, couldn't watch it, whether you paid for it or not, if you weren't on site. So it just wasn't accessible. The CrossFit Games has had like kind of ups and downs in that regard where at the highest highs, it was on ESPN or CBS and obviously having a much greater chance for more people to become aware of it. That's why people say, I found CrossFit because of Rich Froning. Well, it's not really Rich Froning. It, you know, you could zoom further back from that someone had to communicate with ESPN and create those deals and opportunities so that rich could do his thing on TV but there's no question in my mind that because those deals were made because it was visible on a big platform like that and because yes he was transcendent even amongst the other athletes in a way that there's always someone like that in sports you know that's ahead of their time in whatever way that creates a passion in the general people to to change their life you know um and I think that it did drive a lot of people to the affiliates. And that's why there was a lot of growth during that 2012 to 15 time period, especially on the affiliate side. So I think that 
there's still people in in big roles in CrossFit that were around back then. And I'm hopeful that they can lean on that, make some some changes in the next year or two, hopefully to become more visible to more people that aren't already in, in this with us. And then hopefully that does lead to more people coming to the box, more people adapting to this lifestyle that, you know, the, the whole idea behind it is it makes you more resilient to the challenges that inevitably will exist in your life. Yeah. Well, and then I think too, I know the argument, you know, of course was, well, it, then it makes it seem too outlier E or whatever, you know, but then that's where yet again, just volume of content is what comes to my brain of, of like, okay, so then how do we get this broadcast more, more consumable? How do we get it to more people? And then also just genuinely create more content that shows the approachable nature of it. So, so do both, right? Do more of all of it. Show the stories of the people coming in who never played sports like me, who, you know, show the people who have lost hundred plus. I mean, there's, there's just hundreds of thousands of those stories at this point, they exist, they're out there. So then do both, do more of all of it. Right. Yeah, and I, I do think that that's I do think that's happening. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm not entirely sure of who all is driving it right now, but I know that Tyson Oldroyd, who's also been around forever, is yes. is at least at some level involved with this um, Magic of CrossFit series that they've been putting out over the last couple of weeks. I I think there may be a few more leading into the Open that they release that are telling those stories. That are you know because of my lack of awareness about that, where does that even exist? Well, see, and, and that's um, that's part of the problem that I've noticed in the past couple of years is that the dissemination of information from CrossFit has been some at, at times inconsistent, and even to the point where there might be something that they're trying to get out there, but they're they're putting out information on the same topic via three or four different channels, and those channels might not might actually have conflicting information across the channels. They're coming out within the same day, even. And that's why I said, you know, uh, back in that, what I kind of think of as the golden age, especially of CrossFit media, 2012 to 18 time period, you knew where to go because it was only coming through CrossFit. They were in control of all of the media. Greg pulled the plug on that. He opened up the Wild West in terms of opportunities for media to come in, which it's possible that that can work and that there can actually be more. But there's also the possibility that it convolutes everything. And you don't know where to look for it. And, and even right now, you know, CrossFit is saying, if you want to be competitive in this sport, you need to subscribe to the hopper, this email that comes out at random intervals that has critical information. The most recent one that came out, I reposted some content from it because I thought it was very important for people to be aware of. And there were comments in there of, I think I'm subscribed to everything that CrossFit's doing and I'm still not getting these emails. Correct. Well, now I was going to say, I know I have subscriptions and I still don't. No, and I actually saw things. CrossFit Games come in and interact in the comment section of that post and, and address those people and say, we want to fix that. So yeah. to me, that's very positive that whoever yeah, that is, is managing the CrossFit Games Instagram is paying attention at that level right now to try to improve the, the streams of communication so that more people are getting what they want them to get. But at the same time, because they haven't taken back the control entirely, and I don't know if they should or not, it's not necessarily my area of, of expertise, there is Honestly, there's too much content right now for any one person to to consume all of it in the CrossFit space. If you want to listen to every podcast, read every article, watch every documentary or 
or mini series that comes out, pay attention to every training camp. It's, it's, I was going to say each training job. camp has really gone in on content, which is so fun because you do get more acquainted with the athletes and it is just so cool. But, but yes, I mean, you, your life would be entirely consumed and you would still not even get, you know? Yeah. So I totally hear you on that. Cause I do try to stay up with things and it's like, oh my goodness, each individual training camp is creating a lot of content at this point, which is so fun, but there's only so much of that that you can consume and then live the life that you need to live. <laughs> and so if there were some sort of place where, you know, pertinent information, I, I, I feel, I feel like, I don't know. I, I pay attention and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, there's a couple of podcasts in particular that do a pretty good job of covering some stuff, but even still, I, I'm so with you in that, that as somebody who's pretty involved that actually works at the events and has done that since 2021 now, there's still a lot that, that I miss. So, you know, I have this, this kind of thought and I haven't shared it with anyone yet because I've just been kind of, you know, I, sometimes I like to just wait and see. But in the case of, of, we can just talk about this magic of CrossFit series that they're putting out. To me, that's something that has the potential to be so powerful for so many people because the stories they're telling are each unique, but they're each relatable. And even if it's not you specifically, you know someone or you've seen someone that's done something or experienced something similarly in terms of a challenge and then overcoming that challenge to improve their quality of life. That's what, you know, if I was going to synthesize the series into a sentence, that's what I would say. So if you know that you have this content that's coming out and your CrossFit headquarters or the or CrossFit media, and you also know what you just said, which is that CrossFit Mayhem has a massive following, proven, comp trained, underdogs, brute strength the training program, the program, Torian Pro, the Down Under, all of these, why don't you reach out to those? Because all of them, all of those things that I just mentioned are affiliated in some way with things that are outside of the sport. And they have an audience that's primarily made up of people that are not competing to be elite athletes, but they're doing CrossFit in some regard and they look to their, their idols or their favorite training team or favorite athlete as the person where they're getting their information from. And why don't you say in October, hey, we're going to have this initiative. It's going to be five weeks leading up to the, this year's Open, where we're going to be putting out these stories. They're not about elite athletes in our sport, but they're about people that have, through CrossFit, changed their lives radically. What would it look like to partner with each of you to help promote those things so that on January 2nd, 9th, 15th, and 22nd, when we release them, that you guys repost them on your on your channels or at least repost a link on your channel. So there's a, a collaboration, a partnership so that CrossFit can lean into what's been created because of Greg's decision in 2018, which is all these media platforms and try to get them all to promote something that I think it'd be very difficult for anyone to say is not positive. Well, and I know that for myself as a creator within whatever capacity I'm doing that, you know, when other people want to collaborate and work together for me, that takes workload off of me. And so this is not speaking to CrossFit reach. This is just generally like, I'm like, thank you. Yes, please. You know, I mean, let's, let's work together. So then I, I what you're saying to me does make me think that the, the community of CrossFit gets it as far as they get community like that, that C word got it, you know, now we still need to continue to get more people in just because we want people to elevate their quality of life. And whenever you have community and you're doing hard things, like that's just a recipe for awesome. <laughs> uh, but collaboration on the other hand is a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, 
And that's something, this- but like the dumpster fire is something that we can like put out. You know what I mean? Like that's cool because if anything, like what you're saying, this idea, I love it because I'm like, wait a second, this is this is easy to, to implement and and effective. Who doesn't want that? And it doesn't have to stop with training camps. You know, you could look at and see some guys who've had to redefine their careers, but are still relevant in the space, like the Buttery Bros, or Talking Elite Fitness, or Sevan. And you could reach out to them. But what that requires is setting aside past differences, checking the ego at the door, which is a common saying in CrossFit, but we need that from the top. And to say, you know what, maybe we haven't had the best relationship with whoever it is in the past, but they're still pushing forward the message. They're still out there and they ha- and there are people that listen to them. We have this video series, The Magic of CrossFit. And we know if we put it out on our channels that X number of people will listen to it. But if we also incorporate these, these people that have the same core beliefs as us and want the same things, that that X number will be you know, multiplied to a degree that we can't, maybe can't even measure. Because we need to make I sure Claire knows about it. I think a beautiful point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I think it's so like what you just said too with past differences with this structure. Yeah, we got we got a lot of baggage, you know, like we've been through some shit. <laughs> but that could be applicable. I, I love that just because I think you could apply that anywhere. And like any consumer listening to this who isn't even all that aware of all the history of CrossFit and stuff like that. You know, I think that this is just such a good lesson for anybody, anywhere, anytime that like, yes, putting past things to rest so that we can all elevate. Let's go. I love that. Okay. Now I'm, we're starting to get to a point where I'm like, dang it. I, Cause now I'm fired up and we could just go for a long time on these topics, but I'm trying to make sure that I get some things that I want to get done. So I think one I want to ask you, is there anything when speaking to, oh, you know what, here, we'll go here. Okay. So since we're talking about like sharing the message, futuristic stuff, whatever, I have to ask you, you being the nerd, and this may be a little bit out there, but I'm going to ask. And for our 2023 season, what do you think about like is it is it way too early to ask you who you predict for anything for the whole season? Do we just need to go to the open for now? Can we take it a little bit further? No, I don't think it's too early. I mean, this I think that this year the landscape in terms of who could possibly win the three premier divisions at the CrossFit Games, the men's, the women's and the team division is as open as it's been in a very long time, maybe a decade, because the six-time reigning champ is pregnant. She's not competing this year, so we're going to have a new champion on the women's side. The two-time defending champ on the men's side has yet to be beaten since he's won, but it's the margins with which he's winning by are very small, and the caliber of athletes nipping at his heels are getting better and better. The dogs are barking. It's going to be a dog fight to say the least. And, and in in the team division, you know, this, the six time team champion, Rich Froning has said that he's not bringing a team back this year. So again, we have a vacancy at the top of the podium. So I think in all three cases, there is, um, if you like, you know, some people like dominance, they like seeing the records in terms of largest margin of victory and most event wins and all this stuff. But if you're not that person, if you like to see, competition where you're not sure who's going to come out on top and you know that it's going to, you know, it's going to be a battle all the way through, then this is, this is the year for you. 
And since you asked at this point, if I was gambling, I would probably take, uh, I think in the team division, it's a, it, that's the hardest one because we'll know two or three weeks from now a lot more than we know now. But based on what I do know, I think that the other two podium teams from last year, CrossFit Oslo and CrossFit Invictus are the top contenders. I think that um, Mallory O'Brien and Laura Horvath are the top two contenders for the women's side. And for the men's side, I think there are all, all three podium finishers from last year, Justin Medeiros, Roman Krennikov, and Ricky Gerard, at the very least that there's three guys who can win the CrossFit Games this year. You want me to pick? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll do that for you. If I was going to pick the winners right now, I would take CrossFit Oslo, Laura Horvath, and Roman Krennikov for the 2023 CrossFit Games. Okay. Okay. And of course, we have many months ahead of us and an entire training season for them to to prepare for this. But uh, gosh, I, I will say this, more. though, because I've, I've made, basically made this promise. I will still, I was, when my, unless something changes over the next six months, when the CrossFit Games start in the, uh, this upcoming summer, I will still pick Justin Medeiros to win, even though I think Roman can do it. Because uh, <clears throat> I, th- I do think there's something to be said about what he's achieved the last two years and the way that he's done it. And, and he's had four, four major competitions and won them all. And there's, you know, winning is a skill. And he's pr- proven to have that skill in ways that these other guys haven't yet. So I, you know, he's still the champ until someone takes him down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so with you that I'm, I'm loving all of the competition that does exist. And of course, then you get these personal biases when you know these people, or even if you don't, you don't from afar, you know, but or if you know their families or like, you're like, Oh, but I love them, you know, but I think it is so unique what we've got going on specific well shoot all of it I don't know I think it's just fascinating and and the men's is just such a like I mean yeah any of those guys they they want it you know and Roman finally coming in is just so cool for the sport and so I'm excited to watch it unfold yeah and we have this you know a new system coming in this year with the worldwide ranking system we don't have all the details on it yet but when you look at the top of, of both the men's and women's division the fact that it's a worldwide ranking system is a very appropriate name because you have many different countries and continents represented amongst the top 10 men and women in the world. And it's, you know, for, for a long time, it was very heavy of North Americans and then Europeans. But now you have people like Ricky Garrard and Roman Krennikov that are not coming from those two areas and are competing for the title of Fittest on Earth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... I do always love to ask guests that exist within the wellness space, which you qualify. What is your current training schedule? Definitely. Um, So I try to do at least one competition a year that pushes me outside of my comfort zone a little bit. Sometimes we have in-house competitions that I can participate in, but two weeks from now, I'm going to be competing at the Battle of the Brave in Kansas City with three other members from my gym. So I've been ramping up my training a little bit to try to be prepared for that. And uh, this will be my 10th CrossFit Open. So I will, and it'll be my first as a master's athlete. I'm 35 now. Ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, last year I did not, I did not make the um, quarterfinals. I, I narrowly missed it for individuals. I would have made it in the master's division, I think. So I'll try to make the quarterfinals for the master's. 
So I guess I will have three competitions over the next two months, one in person, two online. And uh, probably because I found what I have found is I can't sustain training for competition year round. So I'll try to, you know, maintain some competitive fitness through the quarterfinals. And then I'll kind of reset. And this year, my focus is going to be mostly on foundational or strict gymnastics movements. Uh, because I'll be going to Power Monkey Camp in September for the first time. And I want to come in a little bit more prepared than I am right now. Yeah, I love it. And that's such a cool, that's the dope thing about a fitness journey is that like your fitness today looks different than it did a year ago. And a year from now, it'll look different than it does today. And I just think that that is super fun. Uh, So, okay. So, but you still, you still do CrossFit. You still do Metcons most days of the week. Yeah, more generically, I, I train five or six days a week, and yeah. it's just what the training looks like that changes. Yeah. So, and the uh, intensity it, that you're applying to the session. Yeah, and it's more intensity than volume. I, you know, selectively on, on like specific days, I might do a little bit more volume. Last week, I did a little bit of uh, additional volume down at CrossFit Mayhem, but for the most part, I'll train sixty to ninety minutes a day five to six times a week. And it just what I'm doing during those times that changes based on time of year, or if I if I have a competition coming up or a specific training focus. Okay. All right. What is something that you feel that you are doing well, that you would like to do better or do more of? In training? In or just life. in my life? Uh, that's, that's definitely the hardest question you've asked yet. Um, I think we actually just just touched on it briefly before we got on the air, but a big challenge for me right now has been managing my time and staying present in whatever the task is that I'm doing, uh, knowing that there's so much else to do. So I feel like I'm doing a decent job with that, but I do think that, that, that in particular is an area that I have an opportunity to grow. And because it's something that's becoming more and more real, I feel like I take that as a, as a sign almost that it is an area I can be um, working on and trying to improve. So time management, staying present and not being overwhelmed by there's that's the fact that there's other things to do, but trusting that I'll get to those two. Yes. And can confirm if you just do the next thing directly in front of your face and you do that on repeat, it is incredible what you can get done. So what is, if there, if you had five years left on this earth, what is currently a part of your routine that you would eliminate? Goodbye. <laughs> um, man, something I would eliminate. Filing taxes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Gosh, that's so good. That was like, that was like cheating good. <laughs> it's only because it's on my mind this past week or so, but, uh, no, yeah, you thanks know, for bringing it up. <laughs> there are things, there are things like that that you know. When it comes to finances in particular, you try to plan for a long life and to make sure that things are in order in that regard. But I think if I knew that I only had five years and the fact that I'm 35, which means these are five pretty good years left to live, so- that I would, you know, I don't have a significant other, I don't have any kids or pets, I don't own a house, so I have a lot of freedom. And if I had only five years. I would probably uh, flex a little bit more financial liberty. Okay. 
I love I love that answer. I so didn't see it. That's a question that is like a, for me. I was like, uh, what? That's a hard one to answer. Okay. I also have to ask you, what are three things that you are grateful for today? I would say, I'll just go with the thing, three first things that come to mind. The first thing that came to mind is the support of the community, family, and friends that I have around me. The second is um, the spiritual background that I have to lean on <laughs> because of things that weren't so good when I was younger, That I did, but I did have an opportunity to invest in as a young man that I feel have been invaluable in managing you know, challenges in recent life. And lastly, I would I would just say I'm, I'm grateful for um, my work ethic. And I don't know where, where that comes from or what it is, but uh, just knowing that when there are things to do that I will find a way to get them done, that I do, you know, show up to the gym every day and, and challenge myself in different ways and that I don't, you know, I don't shy away from uh, new opportunities when they come, even if they sometimes feel a little daunting. So last one's maybe a little bit more selfish, but those are the three things that came to mind. Uh, it's of service to others, even if so. So it works out. Okay. So I like to say my three, which my three today are going to be, and I love yours, by the way. Uh, they're going to be first is, is my like recognition of how important it is to have conversations, even if you don't want to have them, the ability to communicate your emotions with others and recognizing that like isolation, isolating or not speaking about something because you're uncomfortable. I mean, I recently literally just like two days ago brought up something that, you know, I, I hadn't formed a complete thought on it with an individual, but it was present. And I just like, Hey, you know, so, so here's this thing and, um, allowed me the opportunity to get a better perspective on it and to view it through another person's eyes and to just have a better relationship with it. And what it came down to for me was, uh, my ego was flaring up and it needed to be pushed back down in this situation. And I don't know that I would have navigated that nearly as quickly, gracefully, peacefully, if I would not have shared that with a person. So I'm just appreciative of that, that perspective today and, and practicing that to the best of my ability. And uh, I am grateful for the idea of mental toughness. That's been something that's just kind of been on my mind of that you just because you get acquainted with it and do it well for a certain period of time, you set a goal, you crush it, whatever, like it requires re re upping, like you have to continue, like it will just wane off if you do not focus on it, but that we have the opportunity to do that and we can reset at any point that we want. And then last but not least, I'm just grateful for good old mentors and understanding the importance of having people involved in my life that I look up to and seeking their aid all the time. So those are my gratitudes. Other than that, where can the people, thank you for your time. As you said, the something that you are currently navigating, you know, f coming up against overwhelm and trying to combat that and trying to be present with the person directly in front of you. I feel like you've done an amazing job of that here. And I appreciate your time and energy because I know that it's valuable. So thank you for choosing to spend it here. And uh, from there, where can the listeners find you, support you? What are you up to? If they want, if they want the nerd with the numbers, where do they get it? Um... Yeah, I think if you like consuming written content, uh, if you search Brian Friend Bar Bend on Google, go to my author's page, all the content that I write related to competitive CrossFit is there. If you like more of the video or audio format, I am regular on the Savon podcast, and those can be watched li you know, live on YouTube. Obviously, 
after the fact on YouTube, but also on any audio podcast that's out there. And uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram, Brian Friend CrossFit. I try to you know post most of the stuff I do there related to the content I'm producing, but also you know my personal life and hobbies. Um, and then lastly, if uh, if you're ever on a disc golf course, keep your eyes out. I might be out there throwing oh. some discs around. That's my that's my secret pastime that I love to do. Well, not so secret, but I do I do enjoy it. Okay, another thing I did not know. So guys, that'll all be in the show notes. So if you want to find more of Brian Friend, then just hop on down to the show notes and all that will be in there. And last but not least, if you enjoyed the show, please follow it wherever you are consuming it, rate and review it, and share it with somebody that you think it will positively impact in some way. Other than that, have a beautiful day.